Boogeyman is real, and you found him. Hello, and welcome to the first official episode of the Bearded Horror Podcast. My name is Dan, aka The Boogeyman. And each week on this show, I will be looking at a horror movie, either a new release or a classic, and I will be giving it a review, a full spoiler review, so I'll be doing like a summary of the film, talking about the good and the bad bits, and then I will tell you whether it's worth a watch or not. And yeah, a first episode, no idea what I was going to talk about in honesty. Not because I haven't thought of what I want to talk about, it's because I've thought about so many films that I want to talk about. I have got a, such a big list of films that I want to talk about. And I thought, should I do a new film review for the first one? Should I do a big retrospective classic? Should I do an episode on a current themed film? Because there is a anniversary. Like, I, I, I do not know. I did not know, and I've been racking my brain about it, but I came to the conclusion that I will start off by talking about a classic, and yep, I know it's probably um, cliche or something, but then again, I was like, okay, let's talk about a classic, but then what classic do I talk about? Because I have, again so many all of my films that i love are from the 70s to the noughties that is like my era of horror so everything from halloween all the way up to scream that is what is my jam so i was like okay well what classic do i talk about because we're now in 2023 so films from the 90s and from the noughties are now considered classics just like fuck's sake <laughs> and like so i thought why don't we do this right the first season if you will of the bearded horror review podcast uh, is we're going to talk about some of the classics so i thought we would start where i think it all really began and now for some people you know, you can t- you you go back all the way up to um, the thirties, and you talk about the Lon Chaney films and the Universal horror, and uh, but that's too far for me. I mean, I like those films. I like Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. I think they're fantastic films. Um, Wolfman's okay. Um, you know, Creature of the Black Lagoon is okay. Um, but you know, it's it's just too far back. And then I thought, okay, well, why don't we talk about original slashes you know you've got your your halloween you get your friday the 13th you've got your black christmas but then again well that's not the start of what i consider to be modern horror and i really started to think about it and going what what is horror at the minute not even what is horror what is modern horror what do we consider to be modern horror and i think there is a lot of films out there that for the last let's say 20 odd years have used certain tropes. I mean, these tropes have always been in horror, but 
I think these certain things have been in horror a lot because they're easy to do, they're cheap to make. There is so many horror films that are just have these beats in them. And that is uh, things like jump scares. The cat jump scare, um, the, the simple, easy, loud noise jump scare, you know, the someone stepping off on frame jump scare. So jump scares is a big one in modern horror. And then you've got haunted house, family moves into a haunted house or there's a possession or there's a haunting there's or there's a haunted thing or there is a named creature that is technically doing a haunting and um, that's one thing and it's the other one it's young people teenagers and they're trying to figure out what to do how to solve this while they're getting picked off one by one and then there's the other thing that is more relevant to the film that i'm going to talk about today which is they usually bring in an expert now that could be a religious expert or it could be a spiritualist or it could just be someone who knows about this stuff. And they always just seem to be able to find that one person who happens to live in their town specifically and they're able to get help from this one person. Now, loads of films have done it over the last few years. There's, there's The Conjuring, Insidious. There is the Ouija board uh, films. There's, there's um, even films like Hereditary have that kind of trope where they will find the expert or the person or the thing and so I started to think to myself okay well what film out there kind of was the first to have a lot of these things in there and it clicked so today we're going to be talking about The Exorcist now the re one, that's not just the reason why. What, that's not the one. The other reasons are, well, one, um, it's got all those tropes in to a degree. It kind of was the first of the haunting possession films. And it has a lot of um, people that say it is the greatest horror film ever made. You know, uh, the scariest horror film ever made. And then you have a lot of people that say it's weak. And it's not scary at all. And, and so I started to really think about it. Like, yeah, it's from the 1970s. It's very early on. My mum saw it in the cinema. Um, I remember her telling me about how it scared her shitless. And so I thought, yeah, let's, let's talk about The Exorcist. And there's a fun thing about The Exorcist that it is kind of the origin of these possession films. But it does it completely differently to how everybody else does it now. And and you may be thinking, what do you mean? Like, how, what, how do you mean it's a possession film? How are they doing it differently? And we'll get into that as I go through the review. And as you can imagine by the, the way I've spoken about it already, I think quite highly of this movie. Um, so, yeah, spoiler alert. I like this film. Um but there's difference between this film and, say, um, The Conjuring, which is, you know, a possession film. Or, you know, um, a lot of those kind of modern takes on the possession. Um, films like The Conjuring and, uh, you know, all those other kind of possession films, they main character will instantly believe 
that something is going on that's supernatural or there is someone who is able to go this is a supernatural thing that's going on with your daughter or your son or your whatever blah 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 there's always someone there it's quite instant like it's a supernatural thing that's happening let's just talk about it like it's it's supernatural and even though the film is called the exorcist it spends a long time trying to convince you that maybe it's not supernatural it spends most of the runtime actually trying to say could this just be a very sick girl and that's why it's different however it sparked god knows how many films that actually have that specific kind of people trying to get me convinced that there's a supernatural thing going on that someone's gotten possessed um so We'll go get into it even more, but listen, straight away, spoilers. Spoilers for The Exorcist if you've not seen it. I mean, it is like 50 years old at this point, but still, spoilers. Um, Yeah, so I am one of those people that I've also read the book in regards to The Exorcist. Um, and I love the book. The film and the book are extremely similar and that's what's fantastic about it William Peter Blatty's Exorcist uh, directed by William Friedkin it is a fantastic movie um, I always forget when I watch it though that it starts completely somewhere else so it starts in the desert it starts in the Middle East um, and we follow, far, follow Father Marin around on his last day at this dig where he has been uh he is a he's a priest um and he is over in is it iran or iraq i believe i always forget i'm terrible at this I, I guys i've got adhd i do forget i would write it down but you know what i'll end up hearing loads of clicking and stuff on the microphone so i usually write it down then i put it down anyway and don't read it. i'm not can't read it so it's fine but um, he's there and he's leaving. He's leaving uh, the Middle East and people are trying to get him to stay. And this straight away is where we get the hint that maybe something supernatural is going on. Um, he's just going around. He has some tea in the marketplace. Um, and he's watching all the people around him who... You're watching these people be normal, but it's something that doesn't seem quite right. It seems off. And then we have him go around town he goes to the offices where he obviously reported and they're trying to get him to stay and here's where we start to see something is going on because the curator 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 of this you know dig whoever runs this place asks him to stay at that moment the clock stop and they both stop and they look at the clock and it's just silence for a minute. And then they both agree that this is the this is the right thing to do. And it sets it up straight away that something is going on. Father Merrin takes a walk from there. He walks through the town. He walks out of the town. And he walks into the desert where he finds a giant statue. And earlier he had uh, found a very small, about two inch long statue. And... Um, of a face and it seems like he recognizes it and he goes out into the desert and sees this giant statue and it's the same as the small two-inch statue and the music is ominous and threatening 
and it feels like okay this person whoever this person is is this father Marin has dealt with something here and this statue was linked to it in some way and then we go well, New York as no not New York sorry what am I, I always assume it's fucking New York because Americans seem to only think there's one city in the country when they film it's Washington <laughs> they go to Washington uh, now for this I watched the the uh, extended cut which actually starts with a very small shot of Washington, then it goes over to the Middle East, and then it comes back to Washington. And it comes back to a very normal, simple setting of a young girl living with her mother, who's an actress, and they're staying in Washington. This isn't their home. They're renting a home at the time. And they uh, live with their, a caretaker and a maid. And they also have a, a, a baby, like an assistant slash babysitter that they live with. And through the course of the start of the film, we find out that um, Reagan, who is the teenage girl who's just turned 13, has been playing with a Ouija board in the basement. She found a Ouija board and she's been talking to her friend, Mr. Howdy. And obviously when she does it in front of her mom, nothing happens. Nothing happens there. But she insists that something's been going on. And this is where the film starts proper. And the film actually tries to get you to see what is happening and it's but it doesn't just start feeding you jump scares start feeding you shadows start thinking things moving around what it does is it shows reagan acting differently it shows the mother going about her day doing her day job as an actress and uh, it shows her having parties and uh, meeting people and the people in her life and it shows reagan at the start as this really bubbly lovely girl and then she'll do things throughout the few next few scenes where she can't sleep she can't the bed keeps she keeps the bed keeps shaking um and then it carries on she can't she gets angry she's she's you know she's quite um aggressive and so her mother takes her to the doctor and she starts getting examinations done to figure out what is going on and you find out from the doctor that she's been swearing. Not only has she been swearing, but she's been using some incredible swears that Americans hate. Americans hate the word cunt. But she says to a doctor, keep your fingers away from my cunt. Um, and she doesn't know where the mother... The mother doesn't know where Reagan has heard this from. And, you know, we see this girl kind of getting unwell and they put it down to a nervous disposition as um she's moved away from her home there's been problems with reagan's father there's the mother is divorced from um reagan seems to have it in her head that her mother is going to be going to date uh, the director of the movie that she's been working on so they go all right well she's under a lot of stress she's 13 she's going through puberty all of this stuff is happening so they put it down to emotional nerves they give her riddling and they expect her to hopefully start getting better. At the same time as this happening, we see the opposite side. We 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 meet uh, our one of our exorcists, um, a, a priest who uh, works within Washington, and his name is Father Karras, and he works as the psychiatrist for the church, and he's disillusioned. He doesn't have any faith anymore. He doesn't want to hear these priests' problems anymore. He's lost his faith. He's lost his passion. He he, he just doesn't care anymore. He's lost it. You know, his he 
um, doesn't really have any possessions or anything because they're not allowed. They know they live by the church. Um, he has a lot of expertise in, um, you know, satanic church rituals. And it's not really mentioned that much in the film, but he is an expert in this, which is why he is approached uh, later on in the film. Um, but he's also got a sick, ailing mother. And he he is losing faith. He doesn't have faith anymore. And this is why uh, I say this film does everything opposite compared to, say, um, like you say, you Conjurings or other films like that. Because this film is about convincing you without a shadow of a doubt that something supernatural is going on. But it's from both ends of the spectrum. You've got the atheist mother of Reagan who, who doesn't believe, she doesn't um, pray, she's not Christian in any way. Um, and she even, there's a part where the, um, the, you know, she's sick and she finds out that uh, the handyman that works in the house has uh, put a cross under Reagan's pillow and she gets pissed off by that. Um, I, I, I know it's the film, but I, I will actually every so often mention the book, like I've done like in the book, she does mention a lot that she's not happy about these things being around the house, people bringing up supernatural or bringing up uh, Christianity because it's putting ideas in Reagan's head and she's worried that that's what's making her act the way she's acting. And then you've got Father Keris who has seen the opposite side of life, that, that life is cruel and it's not fair. And so he doesn't have any faith anymore. He's lost it because he's not seen the good that's come from his life. So you actually watch these people slowly get less and less believing. And then you, so you have the man who's supposed to be faithful losing all his faith. And then you have the atheist slowly gaining faith that something supernatural is going on. That's why it's so different. And you actually see these two sides and it takes a long time for something supernatural to actually happen in this film. Um, and that, yeah, but you have the classic thing. Eventually it gets to the point where, you know, they, they okay, everyone believes that the Reagan is possessed um, as she is by the demon known as Pazuzu. Um, and so it escalates into our exorcism. Now, I love this film. The characters are perfect. The acting is fantastic. And the scares don't come from random jumps or, you know, a big loud noise or CGI effect. It comes from these very strange, subtle moments. And a lot of people find it funny nowadays when they watch them back and they go back to, and they see the the um, the vomit, the, the green soup vomit. Or they will mention the um, how funny it is when she's like... Uh, masturbating with a crucifix but it's trying to show the degradation and the loss of innocence on this little girl and I always looked at it for, I always tried to look at it anyway from the eyes of a person watching this since the 70s I, you've never seen anything like this before and you watch this girl slowly get worse and worse and worse and it is upsetting to actually watch and you see this father cares he loses his mother she dies. You have his uncle blaming him uh, for her death because he's a priest and he doesn't have much money. So he couldn't take care of her like he was supposed to because 
that's his mother. Um, he was like, oh, you, you know, who, who's going to pay for the funeral? Who's going to pay for the housing? You? Are you going to pay for the extra housing or the extra doctor? You've got no money. You just do your church all day. And on top of this, there is a third plot line um, that people seem to forget about. That um, <clears throat> Early in the film, uh, a director uh, who, who works in working with uh, Reagan's mother on a film um, dies off screen. He is in the house um, and you find out that he came into the house. He went into Reagan's bedroom and he was found at the bottom of these steps that are outside of that window. Uh, it's quite a fall on the quite lengthy stone steps and he had his neck broken all the way around until his face was, uh, head was facing the opposite way. And there's an investigation by a detective Kinnaman who's going through speaking to both sides. He's seeing the mother being all distraught. He is seeing the priest who's been brought into this um, and what his opinion of this all is. So it's quite fascinating to see this, this middle ground man between the two. And then we get to the point of the exorcism when it's the film takes its time to show you without a shadow of a doubt this is a this is an exorcism that needs to be done. And that's when we bring back Father Merrim, played by Max Max von Sandow, who's fantastic, who I growing up believed that he was that old. <laughs> when I watched it, he's an he's an old man, he looks old, and it's all prosthetics, it's all makeup. Because he was a young man in 1973. He was I I couldn't I don't know why I never clicked, but I did, and I realized it's it's makeup. It's fantastic looking, and he's a wonderful actor. And there's a, an amazing moment that, that famous shot of the outside of the house when he's looking up at the window. It's the cover. Everyone knows that that image. But my favorite moment from that is he walks into the house, and you hear Reagan scream from upstairs. She screams one word. She screams Merrin. She screams the word Merrin his name because she knows he's in the building and he, the, the the demon that's inside there is scared and that's what's fascinating so you know there's a history there's all this implied history with father Merrin, which they eventually made into a film which is called like the exorcist there's two versions it's don't watch either they're both terrible these prequels that came out they're fucking awful, but it is fascinating to actually see them. Um, but yeah, it's it's, and then comes the actual exorcism that everybody knows and everybody has seen, of, you know, the old priest and the young priest battling against this demon, who, um, is apparently, many people. You actually it speaks many different things, uh, and uh, many different voices talks. You know. Uh, Father Karras's mother um, talks the director's voice um, you know, just a few different voices but it's all supposed to be Pazuzu and then we have the exorcism which is great because it goes on and on and it has breaks it has moments of uh, peacefulness within it and it's not it doesn't bash you over the head it shows you all these scenes there's, there's scenes in there like um, there's a moment where Father Karras just goes in and talks to the, the, the Pazuzu in, inside Reagan, just has an, a conversation on his own. Um, there's a scene where Father Merrin goes in to try and continue the exorcism. 
Father Carries comes out, goes back in, Father Merrin's dead. And our possessed Reagan is just sat there giggling. No loud bang noises, no CGI bullshit, no people jumping around, no blue noise and loud music and wind machines and everything blowing. And yeah, it's it's just these moments of quiet, but something terrible is happening. And it's fantastic. I love this film. I love the cinematography. <laughs> um, the director apparently was a complete asshole. He would do things to injure people. Like he, he injured um, the woman playing the mother. I, it's it's like she got a permanent back damage because he told the 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 uh, the grip to pull her. She had a line on where she got she was supposed to get thrown. So they pulled her with a rope. They told her to pull it as hard as he could, and he hurt the the, the actress. Um, and he was a pain in the ass, completely pain in the ass to work with. But he he produced this fantastic movie. And that's why I love this film. Like, if if you haven't seen The Exorcist or you haven't watched it in a long time, sit down and actually realize it's not just about the exorcism. It's about these people's crises of their reality. Like things are broken. Like the the world that they knew isn't the world that they actually know. You know, they the 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 father has seen horrible, despicable things going on. So he's thinking, well, how can there be a God? And then you've got the mother who's seen her thirteen-year-old sweet, innocent daughter becoming this disgusting, awful thing. You know, swears, abusive, hurts, masturbates, cuts, physically abuses, and it it changes her physically. She starts to degrade, you know, Reagan degrades physically. And um, there's a bit in the book, which I, I wish was in the film, that um, Father Keres gets shown a picture of Reagan. And then he goes into the bedroom and sees what's in the bed. And he looks at the two and he goes, my God, is this the same girl? And it shows that the rot, this thing that's inside Reagan is rotting her from the inside out. And... This is another reason why I think at the end of the film as well, the exorcism actually doesn't really work because the priest, Father Merrin, dies. Father Keris grabs the possessed Reagan and screams, take me, take me, take me. Why does Pazuzu decide to take him? Well, because Reagan is rotting from the inside out. She is falling apart what is there is a line in the film it says how long do you plan on staying with us and the demon sad reagan replies until she rots so that is why he actually actually you know gets rid of the demon that's why it works it isn't the fact that the exorcism worked it's just the fact that the demon went all right i'm jumping ship I've broken this priest down. I'm gonna take. I've got my opportunity. I'm gonna take him, and unfortunately, Father Keris is able to fight him off long enough to jump out the window, um, to then kill himself, to be able to hopefully rid the world of this demon, or for, for the time being. And if you've ever seen The Exorcist Three, you know, well, that didn't quite work out. We don't talk about The Exorcist 2. <laughs> this is a piece of shit. I will happily talk about The Exorcist 2. If people want me to talk about The Exorcist 2, please get in touch with me. 
and I will talk, think about watching it and talking to you in a proper review of it. Um, this has been more of like a long, extensive kind of retrospective review rather than just a normal review. Uh, it was full of spoilers. I went over the film. I'm sorry if this has gone for so long, but you, you got to remember, I love this film so much. It, it's got so many layers in. You just don't realize when you just think about it as a film about exorcism. It is not. It's got so much more to it. It is really a a, a a drama built around this idea of this exorcism and um, it's fantastic and i implore you as well maybe go and read the book it's not a long book it's very similar to the film but it's got some extra stuff in there that you might really enjoy um, but yeah for me the exorcist is a five out of five ten out of ten it's a fantastic film and it really did set a standard and put dump some fucking blueprints down for films in the future um so that is my review and retrospective of the exorcist now <clears throat> i'm going to be doing a lot of other films in the future um where i'm going to go over the plot talk about why those plot points are so good and you know recommend if it's worth a watch again uh, but i will also be doing some other films not just high quality films that everybody knows, but this week it's been The Exorcist. Um, if if you have film ideas or things you want to watch, you can sign up to the Patreon where you can actually make suggestions. There is a link in the show notes below. And also if you got, can sign up to the Patreon, that will massively support this for being able to keep this up. Because you know, I've got to got to find a way to watch the films somehow and there's a lot of films out there and unfortunately things cost money it puts the lights on it would be so appreciated if people would be able to support this podcast and on there you will get bonus episodes you will get commentaries and you will also get the chance to um leave uh, film recommendations for me uh, depending on what level you sign up on however I hope you have enjoyed this episode today. We've talked about The Exorcist, and I hope it's made you want to watch it again with a fresh set of eyes. Uh, I've been Dan, a.k.a. The Boogeyman. Happy watching. It's all true. The Boogeyman is real.